heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them, from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen to the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. The doctor saving lives at your local hospital. The war veteran down the street who risked his lives for our freedom. The police officers and firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur. The creator. The producer. The ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. And I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks of the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello, and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name's Richard Matthews. I'm on the line with Michael Dixon Sr. Michael, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Awesome. Michael is joining us from Dallas, and I'm currently uh, Southern Washington right now for um, in our travels, for those of you who are uh, keeping up with us. Um, but Michael is the founder and CEO of a Dallas-based branding agency called Mike Builds Brands, which I think is a fun name. And you're most recognized for your work with AT&T and celebrities like stylist Jay Bolin and actress Tina Linford. Um, and you help do a lot of the uh, marketing and branding and strategy for them. Is that correct? That's correct. Absolutely correct. Awesome. So let's start off with talking about what you're known for now. Like what's your business like? What are some of your clients like? What are the things that people come to you to help them for? What is it that Mike Builds Brands does? So basically, basically we're a full service social branding agency. And so social branding agency is a term that we coined because we specifically work in the social space. So we, when a, typically when a client comes to us, um, they're either looking for brand identity, they're looking for brand strategy, or they're looking to scale. And so our job is to kind of take a look at current numbers, look at their particular space, the demographics, all of the, you know, the data and analyze it to see what the best strategy moving forward to go out there and target audiences. And so we do it in a very and extremely fun and creative way. So from creating content for the brands to establishing the identity, logo creation, website creation, so on and so forth, or scaling and taking it from a niche audience and expanding it to an audience that is outside of what the norm would be. So that's pretty much in a nutshell what we do. We just do it in a super cool way that makes it fun for everybody and really interactive. Awesome. So just out of curiosity, what, how big is your agency now? Is it just you? Do you have like a, a large staff? How many clients do you serve? Oh my God. No, it's definitely not just me. I could not do all of this on my own. So right now there's about 30 contractors with the agency. Uh, we're spread out between LA, Chicago, Atlanta, DC, Dallas, and Mississippi, actually, which is where I'm from. And um, we have anywhere between 120 to 150 clients uh, or accounts uh, at any given time. That's kind of our running number. Um, anything over that, we're going to have to grow again. And I'm super excited for that next level when it comes. <laughs> awesome. So how long did it take you to go from deciding you were going to start an agency to getting to a point where you have 30 contractors and 100 and something clients? So I started from my one bedroom 
uh, duplex in 2007. I just moved back to Mississippi um, from Texas for a little while. And I mean, man, just over the years, it just, it started out as I was working with companies like um, Mississippi College, which is a small Christian college um, that I went to back in Mississippi. Uh, to working with larger brands like the city of Jackson, which is the largest city in Mississippi, uh, Mississippi State University, and et cetera, and creating designs for their bookstore t-shirts and apparel. And so just over the years, the graphic design turned into web design, web design turned into creating content. Um, we pride ourselves in always trying to stay ahead of the curve uh, in terms of social media and what the next big wave of social media is going to be. And so that's, just kind of developed into this thing that we call Mike Bill's friends now. <laughs> so what's interesting to me is like you've been doing this for 12 years. One of the things that comes up regularly on this show is how often people, they overestimate what kind of business they can build in a year, but drastically underestimate what they can do in 10. I'm curious right. your thoughts on that. Like what is it, what does it look like after 10 years of, of driving a business like that? It definitely doesn't look like what I thought it would look like in year one. My business has transformed and consistently evolved, but I always knew when I got into business that I wanted it to be bigger than I could ever imagine. I just didn't know how that was going to happen. And I think I never limited myself to one particular way of it happening. So when opportunities came, I was always sure to make sure that I allowed myself the ability to grow. Even if it was something I didn't have a ton of knowledge of, a lot of times I would take on projects that I had no idea how I was going to complete. And I would spend hours upon hours studying, researching YouTube videos, like burying myself for days at a time, living off coffee and Red Bull and snacks. And eventually what happened was we would get them done. We would find a way to get it done. And that was something that we would add to our arsenal. And so over the years, it just grew and grew and grew. So what I tell people, especially startups, because we work with a lot of startups, is don't limit yourself. Don't put yourself in a box or scope. Always have a focus, but don't limit yourself to abilities to be able to grow and develop outside of that scope if the opportunities present themselves and especially if they're lucrative enough. Yeah, absolutely. Just by the way, I heard you mention you went to a Christian college in Mississippi. I went to a, a Christian college in Missouri. Um, yeah, cool. yeah. So I uh, I trained to be a preacher and then went and started a business afterwards and grew a marketing agency. <laughs> I did. I was a youth pastor in Mississippi for a little while. Awesome, awesome. So did have you had this uh this incredible beard the entire time you've been running this business? I have. I started losing my hair at about eighteen, and so when it stopped growing on my head, it started growing on my face. So I felt like <laughs> I should overcompensate on my face for what I couldn't grow on my head anymore. Well, and I it love works. it. It's a, it's a, it's a great beard, and it, uh, it's a, it's a statement. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks. So, um, I want to talk about your origin story, right? Every hero has an origin story. It's where you started to realize that you were different, that maybe you had superpowers, and maybe you could use them to help other people. Where you started to develop and discover the value you could bring to this world. How did you make that transition from I'm going to a Bible college and learning to be a pastor, a youth pastor? to I think I'm going to run a business and impact people's lives that way? So my life was like really, really, my story is really, really weird because it went from tragedy to triumph to tragedy to triumph. But what really got me on this path was I grew up in Mississippi. And if anybody knows anything about Mississippi, typically when people think of Mississippi, they think of horses, bare feet, cotton, and fields. Mosquitoes. Right? And 
that uh, definitely big mosquitoes. Huge. <laughs> All of that is true in certain areas, but there are developed areas of Mississippi like Jackson, Mississippi. But the resources are so limited because the just the financial backing is not there because it's not enough people to make a huge impact or for the world to be able to see the gems and the jewels that come from there. So when I decided to start my company, it was because I saw that there was something so much greater uh, than just what we could see. And there was also something so much greater that we could allow the world to see. You know, Mississippi is a huge part of every story that I tell because I want to bring attention to the talent and the abilities and the big things that are going on in the state. And it just so happened that I moved and traveled around, but I've always carried that story with me everywhere that I've gone. So I always encourage people that no matter where you're from, no matter what your background is, because we grew up in, you know, lower middle class home. It was, uh, you know, a struggle sometimes, but I always knew that there was the ability to gain financial freedom and not in the terms of getting rich per se, which is what everybody's chasing, but to be able to have the freedom to not only empower myself, not only empower others, but really just for future generations of me that are going to be here after I leave. I want my children to be able to have something where when I'm gone, they don't have to worry about money in order to achieve their dreams. Because that's yeah. a struggle when you have to worry about both. If you want to be a teacher and you want to educate the next generation, but you have bills to pay and you have four or five kids, on that salary, if it's two of you all and you all are making a medium you know, income, that's going to be tough. But when you have investments in place that were set up, when you have certain things set aside, you can have the freedom to not only teach if you want to, but open your own school and be able to teach a curriculum that's going to empower even greater than what you may be able to do through public or charter systems. So that was kind of from the beginning of this, what I was thinking about. And so I wanted to continue to be able to impact the world, but in a way that was outside of like your traditional preaching or traditional motivational speaking and things like that. I wanted to create something from nothing and bring a bunch of people, empower a bunch of people, educate a bunch of people along the way that will allow others an opportunity to look at that and say, I know if he can do it, given the circumstances that he has starting out, this has to be something that I can do. I just need to figure it out, right? As opposed to yeah. a lot of times we see successes and their parents were successes or they have families that come from success and that's tough. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's, it seems like you were attracted to uh, the leverage that comes with running a, a business because, Absolutely. you know, it's, it's one of the only things you can do where you can, you can create far more work than you put in right you can create a much larger amount of effort and and impact um, than you would be able to do on your own absolutely and yeah. it's the freedom that comes along with it too you know um having children is one of the most important things to me was I, I remember those days when my mom was really really tired from work uh and couldn't make it to my events you know or because she had to work she couldn't make it i remember that kind of restriction and i said i, I don't really want that you know, I don't really want that for my children because I know the feeling of not having your parents there and you seeing all these other parents out there in the crowd. And I want to kind of empower other people to think in that sense. 
a lot of times people think of entrepreneurship in terms of riches and wealth, but even if you're making a median income, the same that you would be doing at any other job, to be able to have the freedom to move around and to experience life and enjoy it in that type of way and invest in your future from a time standpoint is really important. Because money, we gain it, we lose it, so on and so forth. But time, we can't get that back, especially when it comes to the next generation. You, just, you can't get it back. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of my uh, motivations for building a business was being there for my kids. And I remember specifically um, when we were pregnant with my first son 10 years ago, 11 years ago now, uh, my first commitment was I wanted to be home for lunch with my son like every day. Um, just because it's not a thing that a lot of dads get to do. And uh, I can tell you after 10 years, I probably missed, you know, a handful of lunches with him. Exactly. Um, because that's what I, I wanted to have. And um, it comes down to, um, to for me, the, uh, I, my business name, like the, what do you call it? The legal business name for my company is Five Freedoms. And I talk about the, uh, the five freedoms. Most people, you know, you're aware, political freedom, right? That we don't get put in jail for doing and saying things. And you have uh, spiritual freedom, which is, you know, what you're familiar with, with, uh, with your Christian background and financial freedom, which is, you know, the freedom to make decisions that aren't restricted by money. That's what most people are, um, are looking for. But the two that I think everyone forgets is the time freedom and the location freedom. Mm-hmm. And if you have to, you know, to be wherever you want to be, or spend your time however you'd like to spend your time, the feeling of freedom is more complete than if you just have money, right? And, you know, if you talk to anyone who's running a multi-million dollar business and has not no time, how they feel about that, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, so um, I think I, I was, it was interesting because it was on my way to hitting a revenue goal with my business that I realized I wasn't interested in the money as much as I was interested in the time and location freedom. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny that you say that because that's probably one of the things that I lead with most of the time when people ask me about entrepreneurship and what I enjoy most. And it is, and we've been able to, you know, travel all over the country, all over the world and live in places and experience things that, you know, normal, normally, you know, you can't do. You only get two weeks for vacation a year and you're trying to cram one visit or two trips into that two weeks and you get a day off here and a day off there. I mean, if I want to pick up and I want to go work out of, you know, a Los Angeles office for three months, I, mean, I can go do that. You know, uh, if I want to take the summers and go with my kids and, and go somewhere and have fun and allow them to be able to do some things and work from a beach, I mean, I can do that. And it's those types of experiences that are second to none when it comes to entrepreneurship. And the money comes when you're passionate about life and when you're passionate about something outside of yourself. Because the finances will come as a byproduct of the work that you put in in order to be able to hit those other goals, like we said, like freedom and travel. And so you can't, you can't really succeed in one area without succeeding in the other uh, as a byproduct. And so you focus on what's most important and everything else will really just kind of fall in place. Because you'll put the effort in to achieve those goals. Those goals just have to be kind of bigger than you for you to create something that's bigger than yourself. Absolutely. So I'm going to talk a little bit about your superpowers, right? This is what you particularly do or build or offer this world that helps solve problems for people. Something, the things that you use to help slay this world of villains. So what is it that you think you bring to Mike Builds Brands that really sets you guys apart? Creativity, right? Um, 
in the design and creative space that I'm in, there are a lot of people that were taught how to brand, right? They went to school for branding or marketing and they know all of the specifics and the details. But what truly makes a remarkable brand is the creativity that goes into it. It has to be captivating and capturing. And I would honestly say that since a child, I've had a very creative mind. They used to say that my mind was super overactive like all the time. I was one of those kids, I couldn't be still. I wanted to read everything. I wanted to try everything. I would jump off of the top of the house if I could. You know, I wanted to experience and yeah. try everything. And because I was really, really open to learning about other cultures and reading about far, far away places, it gave me this creative mindset to where I can look at a blank canvas and imagine it for what it would be years from now. And in a way that is really, really appealing and it's not necessarily uh, lacking strategy, but it's actually the forefront of a new strategy. So we've been able to create and kind of stay ahead of the curve in terms of being able to create content that's going to be captivating to the audience before they've seen it and bring it to them in a way where it's similar to what they're used to viewing, but it gives that edge and that niche where they're like, okay, cool, this is a nice little spin on what we normally see. I like that. I think I want to engage with that more so than what I'm used to seeing specifically. So if I had one superpower, uh, or if I had to say my superpower, is it would be just creativity, just being able to imagine and think things into existence that don't already exist. So how do you, do you think that that is a, a power that people can develop, or is it something that you think is innately born? I think it has to be a little bit of both. Uh, and the reason that I say both is you can't really teach work ethic. You, you can try, but work ethic has to be there. And if your work ethic to developing your creative sense is there, then I believe that you can, there are resources out there that can help you expand and grow in it. So both in the sense of the work ethic has to really be innate. You just have to want to do really, really well or something in your life has to come along and spark that interest in you if you don't have that naturally. And then on the flip side of that, there are tons of resources that are out there that you can, that you really can, can research yourself and figure out ways of being creative and look at kind of what patterns are and so on and so forth. Yeah. So the other side of a superpower, if your superpower is creativity, the fatal flaw is the other side of that, right? So just like Superman had his kryptonite or Batman's not actually a superhero and he had to work really hard. What is something that has held you or held your business back that you've struggled with? And more importantly, how have you worked to overcome that for other people who might suffer from something similar? So with me, it is investing too much of my person into people's uh, and wanting other people to be more than what they really kind of want for themselves. You really find that when you're a people person, you want to see everyone do well. And you're yeah. willing to look for the good in every single person, no matter how bad they are, or no matter how much they really suck at something. And as, uh, as a CEO, you know, as a person that runs an organization and that's responsible for people, I have to be able to understand when something has to be cut off and when it is becoming a cancer. And I also have to be able to identify when this is just someone that needs a push or that needs a little tough love. And so 
over the years, I've sought a lot of counseling in that particular area for mentors and kind of reaching out and reading as much as I can about leadership in itself and being able to identify and be able to differentiate between people that are struggling and need help and people that have potential and that would never live up to it because they don't have the work ethic or the drive. And so that's my kryptonite is I'm a huge people person and I have to be able to determine what's good for me, what's good for my business, what's good for my family and what's not and be able to cut those people off or at least create a respectable distance between how I handle them. And that's tough sometimes because you really want to see the good in everyone. You really want to see everybody win. And I, I imagine that's made even more difficult because your team is dispersed. How do you how do you uh, see some of these problems when you're not always in a real physical office with all the people on your team? It's all production. It's all reporting. It's all making sure that every aspect of your business that you're being able to look at some type of uh, you have some some you know, form of measurement for. Um, success. And so when you set those markers for success, you can tell who is rising to the occasion and who's not. And so it's a consistent stream of conference calls. It's always communicating. It's always, uh, you know, popping up, doing whatever you really have to do to kind of figure out what's going on. If I see an area of my business is lacking, I take the time and I go and I see, you know, sit down and kind of monitor for a couple of days or maybe a couple of weeks. Excuse me, see in particular, like what's going on here? And uh, once you identify what it is, come up with a strategy, and then you have to come up with a course of action. So here's where we are, here's where we need to be, and here's the time frame in which we need to be there. If we're not there, if we're making forward progress and we're growing towards that goal and we don't quite hit it, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with maybe mm-hmm. let's see if we can restructure it to make it happen a little bit faster or make it even better. But if we set those markers and we look at it and the time comes and we're either at a standstill or below, now we have to start talking about some serious actions into it's an ultimatum now. We either do this and it gets better or we don't and we have to go another route. It's never anything personal, but in order for all of us to actually be fair to one another and for me to be fair to my organization and for me to be fair to myself and my family, I have to make sure that I'm putting people in place that want to succeed but also that have the skill set to be able to do so. I mean, I want to be a trillionaire, right? But until I develop that skill set, that's a little unrealistic unless I mystically or magically win one of these billion-dollar lotteries or something 10 times, 100 times. But the reality of it is, is if I really want something, I have to be striving and developing for it. And though I might not get there in a very, very quick turnaround, there should always be some form of progression or positive movement. And that's how you know when you're on the right track and when you're making steps to grow. Yeah, yeah, because it's when, when, you, uh, when you have a little bit of, um, that's, that's how, you know, the, the whole concept of, you know, you'll get farther in 10 years than you will in one, right? It's because small steps every day, compounded over time, make a humongous impact on your business and, you know, the people that you work with. Absolutely, 1% better every day. That's one of my things. Yeah. Let's get 1% better every day, because over time, that's a lot of percent. Yeah, it's, and it compounds, right? Because one percent of one percent plus one percent, it actually it compounds, it snowballs. Absolutely. So, so I want to talk about your your common enemy. So, common enemy has to do with your clients. It's the thing that you fight against in your business. So, think of it like this: when every time you bring on a new client, 
I imagine there's something something that you regularly see pop up that you guys have to struggle with as an agency, um, either mindsets or things that are holding your clients back that you wish you could just wave your magic wand, get that out of the way right to start with, and you could get right to getting them create results. What is that thing that you have to fight against constantly with your clients? False expectations. Everybody expects whenever they invest money into something that it's going to make them rich. Right, no matter what the dollar amount is, if they put a hundred dollars into it, if they put a million dollars into it, the whole goal, and they think that it's just going to magically appear, and without any work on their part, that it's going to make them rich. And so our job is to educate our clients as much as possible on the process, on the growth strategies, on what growth actually looks like. Some people don't even know what growth looks like. They don't mm -hmm. understand exactly what we we're just talking about, how little small victories compound over time. They just know that they invested this amount of money and the victory the first week or the first month or even sometimes the first year isn't what they anticipated to be because they have this false narrative about what the expectation should be. Most of the successful entities that you see, none of them happened overnight. It was years of turmoil prior to ever even reaching a point to have an opportunity. But when the opportunity came, they were so prepared that it seemed overnight to everyone else because it was unheard of in those dark hours when everybody was struggling and turmoiling. And so yeah. I try to get them to understand that process. Like, guys, this is going to be a process. This is like a marriage. You have to work at it. There are going to be some perfect times. There are going to be some tough times. Those may be the times where results are not what any of us would want to be, but that's not a situation where you run and say, hey, I'm done. That's a situation where you sit down and you say, here is where we are. Here is where we like to be. Here's what's working. Here's what's not working. Here's areas that we need to put some things into. We need to focus on. We need to maybe bring somebody in to help consult on this area. Here are areas that are doing great that we may need to push more because they're constantly sprint. But the deal is, is that this is going to be a process. And so it's really getting people to fall in love with the process. Understand the micro victories are steps towards the macro victories and also to being prepared for when things don't go well and having a plan of action of how we're going to overcome them together and we're going to ultimately get to the end goal. Because our job, a lot of times people think that once you get the money, your job is over, right? Like, we paid you, so you're good. No, I don't get referrals based off of what you paid me. I get referrals off being able to have an amazing product that's doing well to be able to show to other people in your industry or in similar industries in order to add brand value to our company. So I'm just as invested in every client as they are into me financially, because if I put out a bad product, people are going to know me for having a bad product. If I put out a great product, people are going to know me for that great product. And that in turn allows me to make my time more valuable, meaning that rates go up, prices go up, things of that nature. So I can still continue to have the same type of freedom, but my company can continue to grow and I can continue to offer better opportunities. So that's the biggest thing is fall in love with the process. As a client, fall in love with the process, get to know the process, understand the process. That way it kills all the false expectations and we can come to every problem or every success 
with a clear view of what's next. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I could have said it better myself. I run into that all the time with the uh, false expectations. They're like, hey, I spent $100 on Facebook ads. How come I didn't make, uh, you know, $1,000 back, right? Like, I need a 5x ROI on every action I take in my business. <laughs> like, oh my it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Um, yeah, but, and it's a hundred dollars over two months. That's the funny part about it. It's not even like a yeah. one day. It's like they put a hundred dollars over two months, and they're like, "Oh, I didn't get a thousand dollars back." It's like, yeah, you spent yeah. less than a dollar a day. I always, I always remind my clients of uh, you know, the whole overnight success thing of of Apple Computer. Like they started in the '70s, mm -hmm. right? And it wasn't until yep. like the mid 2000s, like 30 years yep. later right, of putting in effort and growing and building a business that they rocketed to the top like overnight and they just became a, a humongous success. They went from being, you know, a multi-million dollar company, a couple billion dollars, I think, to being, I think they were just hit a trillion dollars valuation the other day, um, yep. right? Like it took 30 years of slowly building a company before they hit that hockey stick. <laughs> Absolutely, right? And I look at Jeff Bezos the same way. There's a picture of him that floats around on the internet that every time I see it, I screenshot it, and I put it up for a little while. And it reminds me of him sitting in this little one-person office with Amazon drawn, like literally hand-drawn on a piece of cardboard that's stuck on the wall, him in front of this old, old, old computer with a phone in his hand. You can tell the picture's just like super staged, but in his mind, he was already where he was going to be. You know, yeah. even though he was in that little one, and it was probably just like a, a co-working suite or something too, that he was maybe like renting for the day or something. It was so funny. But you you, you got a chance to, and I tell people all the time, those are the times where nobody saw because there weren't any cameras. There was no CNN interviewing him. There was nothing in the world that cared about him, but he cared about himself and he cared about his vision. And because he cared so much, and because he put so much into it, we're getting to now see the fruits of all that labor that was put in on the front end. So um, I love those types of stories. I do. And um, Simon Sinek did a good job in, uh, in his book, Start With Why, talking about that, which is something that I read probably once every couple months. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to, uh, um, you have to I think one of the other things, too, is realize what you're trying to build. Right. And I think um, a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't realize what they want. Right. They think they want to have an Amazon or an Apple, but they don't really want that. So they don't put the, uh, the effort that's required to build a company like that. They just want to, you know, they want to hit a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars a year and have their impact and do the thing that they're doing. And that's what they want. And right. So they've got they've got misaligned like, uh, you know, their dream isn't aligned with what they want. Right. So their 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 work ethic and the things that they're willing to put their time and effort into don't line up. Right. So I, I tell, uh, I tell my clients all the time, I was like, you have to know the type of monster you're trying to build. Right. <laughs> uh, and it's not that one's better than the other. Right. Some people running lazy has 15, 20 clients. That's it. That's what they want to do. And some people want to build like you, you know, a trillion dollar agency. <laughs> um, so, yeah. You have to know what, what it is you want and, and then realize the type of effort it takes to get there. Yes, you have to really evaluate the sacrifices. That's what nobody wants to do. Nobody ever wants to talk about the sacrifices beforehand. It's easy to talk about them after you were forced through them and you had yeah. no choice but to fight your way out of the corner. But it's different going in, understanding and having the expectation that I am going to have to make sacrifices. 
because it's all about perception. If I have perceived this as a positive before going into it, I understand it as a, I understand it as a learning lesson. And so I'm looking to gain way more out of it. And I'm going to research and study way more to get over it than if it's a surprise. And now I'm just trying to fight to keep my head above water. And so I always try to tell everybody that ever comes to me for advice about starting up or taking on a task that's huge in any way, evaluate the sacrifices and determine prior to if this is something that you can wake up and get excited about or if this is something that you're going to dread every day. And if it's something that you can wake up and you can get excited about the sacrifices, you can get excited when things don't go the way that you wanted to do because this is an opportunity to grow and because this is something you expected because you knew what you were getting yourself into, you're going to feel way better about that than you wake up one morning and you're about to lose everything and you had no idea that it was coming. And now you're freaking out. You're wondering if you were ever made for this. You were wanting to quit. And most of the time people do just because what they thought of they never thought of how much it was going to take to actually get there. And when this, when this little scale starts tipping too hard, they'll jump off the boat. But, you know, as entrepreneurs, we know there's going to be sacrifices. We know there's going to be commitments to time in the beginning. And we know over time there are things and things are going to constantly evolve and change. I get excited when I don't know something. My wife laughs at me all the time because she'll be freaking out about something like that. Like, like, hey, wait, whoa, wait a minute. I'm just like, no, it's cool, it's cool. And she's like, no, it's not cool, it's not okay. Like, this is an actual issue. You need to do something like right now. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I know, I'm about to do something. It's going down. I, I am going. It's going to be good. Just watch. <laughs> just watch. And, and yeah, that doesn't help at all. But it eventually works out, and so we're good, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. My, my, my wife has learned after 11 years now that, uh, <laughs> Um, when After when the shit goes years. down, she's just like I I trust you because I've seen you come yeah. through it time and time again, and so she doesn't yeah. freak out as much as she used to, but I totally get that. <laughs> yeah, I need to make uh, sure mine talks to yours, then. I don't know if she's at that place yet. <laughs> yeah. So the other side of your common enemy, if you if the thing you're fighting against is the false expectations, your driving force is the thing that you're fighting for, right? So just like Spider-Man Spider -Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information, what is it that you guys fight for at Mike's Build, Mike Builds Brands? So I am a big, 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 big advocate for creativity and creatives in general. So for a long time, the narrative in the United States in particular that I know of, right, is you wake up, you go to work, you get a job, you work there for 40 years, you know, no matter if you like the industry you're going into or whatever, go get a degree in something. And if you don't know what you're going to get it in, you get it in business or you get it in healthcare and you'll be fine. But as we're seeing, that is so, so, so so far from the truth nowadays because really people are i mean we're going backwards because now you're being paid on skill you have 19 month courses in coding and in web design and things like that that people are making six-figure income straight out of school at 18 19 and you have people that go to school for six years to get out and make 36 40 dollars a year but we all have something that we're passionate about we all have some form of creativity in our bodies, whether it be towards the healthcare industry or whether it be towards painting or whether it's 
you know, being a barber or, or being any type of artisan or working with your hands or your mind, we all have skills that we're really passionate about, things that we love to do. And so I want to be one of the driving forces to get people back to falling in love with what you want to do and uh, maximizing that to the highest of abilities that you have within you. You don't have to go to school to be something just because the world tells you to. You can do whatever you want to do. You just have to figure out how to do it, be willing to make the sacrifices in order to do it, and be willing to put in the work ethic that it takes to get there and it can happen for you. And so I just want to be that, that's my driving force. My driving force is empowering people to fall in love with being who they are and doing what they love every single day, no matter what it is. And if that requires education, I'm 100% an advocate for it. But if it doesn't, I'm also 100% advocate for trade schools and for um, you know any type of programs or certificate programs that can help you get to that place. I know multimillionaires that do cosmetology or apprenticing. Lives. Yeah, or apprenticing exactly. And I mean, I know millionaire cosmetologists. I know millionaire estheticians. I know millionaire barbers. You know, I know people in just about every industry that have successful six, seven, eight-figure businesses that enjoy and love what they do every day. And then I know people that are making that same type of money that hate every single day of their lives because they're doing something that they can't stand. That's tough. That's really, really tough. So I want, I want to empower people, go after your dreams, fight for it, and, and you'll succeed. You will. You'll succeed in whatever it is that you want to do. You'll find yeah. a way to make money. Yeah. I tell people the, uh, the, the easiest way to guarantee success is to never give up. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, you can't keep doing something over and over and over again and I get better. That is yeah. against every law that's out there. Yep. If you keep trying, you'll uh, eventually become fantastic. Um, and there's just no other way around that. So I want to uh, switch gears a little bit and talk about something more practical instead of heady, right? So I talk, call this this uh, section the hero's tool belt, right? Maybe you got a big magical hammer like Thor, maybe you got a, you know, bulletproof vest like your neighborhood police officer, or maybe you just really love how Evernote helps you organize everything in your business. I'm curious, what are some of the practical tools you guys use to manage an organization the size of yours, to either manage clients or manage client acquisition or manage just team communication, something that you guys absolutely know you couldn't live without to do what you do? So you have to make sure that you have a good CRM system of being able to manage your client and be able to manage your order flow. You also have to make sure that you have a good project management system between you and your client and making sure that, that communication is always there. Internal and external management systems are everything because it's so hard to try to, as you start growing, it's going to be so hard to manage all of these different people and all these different avenues if you don't have records showing all the steps of progressions where you can go back to something that happened a month ago and look and be caught up to speed on exactly where it is. And same thing internally. You have to be able to understand what conversations are going on, what did we talk about, when the deadlines were, so on and so forth. So a good CRM, a good project management system, and an amazing calendar. You have to have <laughs> amazing a calendar, calendar that works, right? Whatever the system that you create is, you have to make sure that it works for you in a way that is efficient and fantastic because dates, times, deadlines will come. 
and they will come by the bundles. And if you're not prepared as to how to handle them, it's gonna be extremely hard to stay profitable and to stay healthy because you're gonna be stressing out so much because everything is gonna be coming at you full speed ahead all the time. And so I feel like if any business has the correct structure of organizing client, uh, client relations, internal relations, and then structurally sound in making sure that expectations are always being met. And then the final thing would be having, measure, having systems of measure, measurement of markers uh, of success, right? So being able to constantly, constantly, constantly have evaluations that are going on, whether it's surveys to your clients to see what they're enjoying or not enjoying, or whether it's surveys within your organization to determine what can we do better, what are we doing really, really well, and what are realistic expectations? Now, you're definitely going to get some stuff like we need half the year off because of whatever. You know, we only need to work six months a year, or we want to work three-day work weeks at five <laughs> hours a day and get paid a full time. Like, that stuff's going to come. But you have to look at the really, really practical things because no matter how well you're doing, there's always something that you can be doing better. So when things are going bad, making sure that you look at what can we do better, but also what are we doing good and then when things are going great what can we do better and where are we failing in areas no matter how successful we are because that's either going to be in preparation for something that could go terribly wrong or it's just going to be something that makes us that much better in the future so i'll recap it one more time because that's something that's going to be coming up um, in a series that i'm going to be uh that i'm going to be doing next year but you want to talk about your client relations your internal relations, your scheduling calendars to make sure that deadlines are being met, and also just being able to measure success and having a clear path of where we're going at all times. Your mission should be constantly evolving, but also constantly the same. Your vision should be constantly evolving, but also constantly the same, because life changes every day. Where we're going stays the same, but how we're going there may be different. Yeah. So just out of curiosity, where have you guys landed for a project management system for a company your size? Uh, so currently for a project management system, we're using ProofHub. And I love it. ProofHub is very robust in its features, but it's also really, really user-friendly for our clients. So you can, uh, I mean, they have Gantt charts, they have calendars in there, they have deadlines. You can do uh, client approvals. Uh, you can store all of your files, notes, tasks, communications, all in one place. So ProofHub is amazing tool that we use here and um, it's actually really cost effective. It really is. It's a lot more cost effective than some of the other programs of its size or that are as robust in its features. Yeah, that's awesome. So I've actually never heard of that. So it must be a, for larger organizations, I imagine. I think it's newer in both spaces. I think it's a newer organization. And so it's really for smaller and enterprise level organizations. Uh, and, but, and the funny part about it is I've used tools, I've used huge tools like uh, Salesforce and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, I, I love Salesforce. You know, when I was early in my career, when I was working for some of the other larger organizations like AT&T and, uh, you know, working with a software company, we, I mean, of course, everybody uses Salesforce because it's kind of the industry standard. But over the years, other things have developed. And ProofHub is one of those tools that has taken a lot of the clunkiness that was involved in those bigger systems and simplified it. So the user interface 
is really, really cool. And also from the customer side, the customer interface is really, really simple and simplistic for them to be able to manage it without having to, you know, without you having to do a two hour demo, uh, demo every time that you take on a new client. So that's tough. Doing a two hour demo with every new client, yeah. trying to get them to walk through the project management is really time consuming. So Proof of actually even has videos in there for every single section that walks them through how to use them themselves. So you don't even have to do it. Are you tired of trying to write webinars that don't consistently convert? How would you like to have a webinar that effortlessly created sales in your online business? You can. Introducing the Webinar Alchemy Workshop. Webinar Alchemy Workshop is an online masterclass that will help you write incredibly persuasive webinars for your online courses quickly and easily. Using what you learn in this class, you can build a webinar that educates your entire audience while still creating sales. For a limited time, you can purchase this masterclass for only $7, and you'll get the exact framework I've personally used to help my clients sell more than a million dollars worth of online coaching and training just over the last year. Simply text the word ALCHEMY, A-L-C-H-E-M-Y, to 444-999, and I'll send you all the details. The music is by Purple Planet Music. Visit www.purple-planet.com. And now, back to the show. So, move on a little bit and talk about your own personal heroes, right? So, Frodo had Gandalf, Luke had Obi-Wan, Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad. Who were some of your heroes? Were they real-life mentors? Were they speakers or authors, peers who were a couple years ahead of you? And how important were they to what you've accomplished so far with your business? My heroes. My heroes were personal and my heroes aren't traditional types of heroes i watched so many talented people growing up fall victim to circumstance and to mindsets and i just remember watching those people no matter what it was that they were going through fight 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 for sanity fight for safety and security and sacrifice a lot to make sure that their families were, were good. I have some close friends that I grew up with that sacrificed careers to make sure that their children were fine. I have a close friend of mine from Mississippi. Her son is going to Harvard because of the sacrifices that she chose to make because she had a child earlier. That's a hero to me. Um, yeah. I also do have some authors that are heroes of mine, you know, um, I really, really do believe that heroes are all around us. And a hero is not necessarily a person, place, or thing, but it's a spirit. It's a spirit of something that's driving and, and empowering you to want to be better every single day. But my heroes are the people every single day that I see that are struggling and fighting and sacrificing for the ultimate good of someone else because it keeps me humble. Because it's easy to enjoy some success and think, oh yeah, this was all me. But you don't really think about how many other people had to sacrifice in order for you, you know, how many of my ancestors, how many, you know, how my parents had to sacrifice, how did my friends and family members have to sacrifice for not being able to be as close to me as maybe they would have liked to be, so on and so forth. So um, I look at heroes as a concept and they're everywhere and I look for them in everything because I'm always constantly looking for motivation to either drive me to go further or to also drive me to remain humble. Remain humble in who yeah. you are and don't ever get beside yourself because anything could happen and it can all be gone tomorrow. And we've seen that. 
You know, we've literally seen people go from multimillionaires to broke, like dead broke, sleeping in the streets. So that's my hero story. One of the uh, one of the things that pops up in my head when I, when you know when you're talking about uh, um, the people who sacrificed to let you be where you you're at is uh, this whole this whole concept that uh, um, as a parent, my goal in life pretty much is to make sure that my kids have uh, unfair advantages I didn't have. Yeah. And I remember I remember looking back at my childhood and thinking, man, I wish my dad had done this, that, or the other thing and realize that he was thinking the same thing, right? So the reason yeah. I'm able to push myself farther than my dad was able to push himself is because of the way he pushed himself, right? <laughs> and you realize that as an adult, that he gave me a lot of unfair advantages that have allowed me to rocket past where he was, right? And, and that's my goal in, in life too, is do the same thing, set, set it up so my kids can get farther than I could ever get because they get to start from a better starting position. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I love I love that idea of, of of a hero is are the people who are who are doing their everyday things to make the make their next generation have unfair advantages. Mm-hmm. Because we we think of it in terms of heroes being something that you accomplish or that you don't, you know, or, or or something that a particular person does. But the real hero is the one that empowered them or enabled them to be able to do that. And uh, that's that's a story that everyone has. Because I don't think that anyone wakes up every morning wanting to not help or empower someone else or even themselves. And so when you look at it as a concept, it becomes something that engulfs you. It becomes you are able to see the good in humanity versus all the bad that they try to spew on the television and, and on you know, yeah. media outlets and stuff like that. Because I run across way more amazing people, way more amazing stories and way more wholesome people than the news or media would ever show. And so I make that my reality while understanding that those other things are the exception and they're not necessarily the rule. Like the rule is most people are every day waking up trying to make life better for someone else. And you have these few exceptions that are always highlighted that go out and do something opposite of that. And because that's the culture that we live in, we would start to think that that's the norm. But no, man, when I look at the people that are waking up every day, I I stare sometimes out at the roads and I wonder where people are going. I wonder what they're thinking. I wonder who they're responsible for and is what they're going to do right now something to make their lives better. And I like to think that every single car that passes by is a yes that no matter what they're doing, they're doing it to try to help someone else get somewhere that they either couldn't get to, that they've gotten to, or get somewhere that they're trying to go. Yeah, it's one of the things I've, uh, I've learned while traveling is, um, you know, we've been all over the country now, and for m- multiple years, we meet all sorts of people from all over the, all walks of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is very hard to ignore how good most people are. <laughs> and you're like it it just does it it does not line up with the narrative that we are are told all over the place <laughs> no man listen i saw a homeless guy a lady pulled up to um a lady pulled up to put some air in her tire and this homeless guy saw her and he was standing not, not too far from her on the corner at, you know like right at the gas station and she didn't have any change and the machine didn't take uh it didn't take um, cards. So she was visibly frustrated. 
And I was about to go over and say something and I saw him walking up and my first thought process was like, okay, let me see how this is gonna go. I hope he didn't ask her for money because she's already frustrated. But he was like, hey man, you need some change? And she looked and I looked and I was just like, that was a moment that I think changed every single party involved life. And it was one of those things where it's like, man, that the world is not as bad as, as they would like for us to think. That panic is that fear is a driving motivator and it's a force to be able to keep people under some type of control. But man, if we really looked at the world for what it is, there's some amazing people out here. Because you have to think about this man that doesn't know where he's gonna sleep tonight, is more concerned about making sure that not only does this lady have change to be able to do what she needs, and it was a nice car, so clearly she had the money, but he also put the air in there for her. So somewhere down the line, another hero had instilled respect and honor and protectors and, and some type of protecting spirit in this guy where no matter what state he's in, he's willing to sacrifice himself financially and physically for another human being. And you look at where we are and it's just like, man, that, that kind of stuff motivates you to give. Whether it's financially, yeah. whether it's a time, whether it's a, whatever it is that you have or services, but to give, make sure that you stop and you give at some point in time. Yeah, I have a, uh, one of my favorite stories that's like that. Um, one of my old neighbors was an, uh, an ex-con. Um, and he was an ex-con because as a 16-year-old, he was dared by his gang member, gang member friends to uh, steal a car. And so he did. Um, and drove it, he was in Chicago, and he drove the car across state lines, which is pretty close up in Chicago, and found out when he got pulled over that he had stolen the local drug lord's car and had like $5,000 worth of uh, cocaine in the trunk. So he spent 10 years in prison for drug trafficking, and he gets out, he's like the sweetest guy ever, um, but, um, you know, he ha grew up rough, right, and spent the last 10 years in prison, and I remember he called me one day, and he's like, hey, I need, I need help. I got put into, uh, into, into jail for something I probably shouldn't be in jail for. And I was like, what happened? And he was at the, uh, our local little, what do you call it, uh, um, gas station. And the lady that he buys cigarettes from every day, um, the person in front of him was treating her poorly, um, like very poorly. Um, the not, not ways that you would uh, treat a lady, especially in public. And he basically told the guy he needed to cut it out or he was going to knock him on the floor and he didn't cut it out. So he knocked the guy on his ass. Um, yeah. Knocked him on the floor. And of course he's under probation. So he had got to go to prison for that or not prison jail or whatever you call that. But anyways, I was like, I was like, see, like everyone, like if you, it's, it's the exceptions that are not good. <laughs> most people are. Yeah. Most people are good. Um, yeah. So, Let's bring it home for our listeners and talk about your uh, your guiding principles. What are the top one or two principles or actions that you use regularly today that you think contribute to the success and influence that you guys enjoy over at Mike Builds Brands? Ones that maybe you wish you'd known when you started out 12 years ago. Never stop learning. Never stop learning. Never think that you know it all, right? Always strive, again, to be 1% better every day. Invest in yourself spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, invest in yourself. And that comes from a space of knowing who you are and trusting in your processes. Um, I, I don't think people give, I don't think any of us give, give ourselves enough credit 
we're always constantly critiquing ourselves and what we can do better. But how many of us really take the time to look at the, the, the huge successes that we've had? Look at the places that we've been and been able to overcome. Look at the strengths that we have that other people don't have, our uniqueness. And that's what I really, really, really try to focus on in when I'm speaking with anyone is helping them to identify their uniqueness and their skill and the beauty in who they are. Because when you empower someone in that type of way and you allow themselves to view themselves as being valuable, then they want to bring that value to the table and they don't ever want to lose that place of value. They don't ever want to feel less than who they really are. So they're going to work hard to not only stay there, but to get better and better and better at the things that they need to do. So I really try to get, that's my guiding principle is get 1% better every day. Focus on yourself and maintaining and taking care of yourself and being healthy yourself. Because there's, you know, I, I mention this all the time, like even with having kids, like, there's nothing that I can do for my kids if I'm not here. I have to take care of myself mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And that's not selfish for me to do that. I can't do no. anything for them if I'm laid up in a hospital bed because I'm, you know, having a heart attack or stroke because I didn't want to take care of myself. I didn't want to eat the right things. I didn't want to kind of get out and walk around and be active. I just laid around and became a bum and, and, and gave up. You know, you, you have to take care of yourself first and you have to have a peace of mind going into any situation. And so when you do that, it makes you so much more profitable to everyone else around you. So you owe it to yourself, but you also owe it to the people around you to be at your best at all times. So read, invest in your physical health, invest in your spiritual health, invest in mental health, right? That's a big, that's a big, 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 big issue in the United States especially with men in seeking out mental health and making sure that we're in a great mental space, you know, and seeking counseling and, uh, and, and, and so on and so forth. So that's, that's really my guiding principle. You know, 1% better in all the areas of your life every day. That's a, and it's not hard to do and it stacks up really well. So that basically brings us to the end of our show. I got one last thing I do on the show, I call it the Heroes Challenge, and it's pretty simple, and do it on every show. It's basically uh, this. Do you have someone in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine, and why should they come on the show and share their story? Hmm, let me see. Yes, I 100% do, and the person that I really, really want to highlight um, and that I want to talk about is his name's Jay. Um, Jay is a barber that has amassed a huge, huge uh, organization and work with some of the most influential people in the world uh, and has an amazing uh, background story too of overcoming somewhat similar to your next door neighbor, you know, overcoming of bringing up some uh, some huge obstacles, but has built um, you know a huge empire in the barber world, and I mean it's cut you know people up like Floyd Mayweather big, you know like huge success stories. Wow. So definitely somebody that has a great story that I think would be awesome. 
Yeah, we'll we'll reach out and see if we can connect about that later. So um, last thing, thank you so much for coming on the show, Michael. Really appreciate having you here. It's been an incredible conversation. Last thing that I want to find out is where can people find you if they're looking for the type of services that you offer? And then I think more importantly, who are the types of people that would be ideal to reach out? Cool. So everything is Mike Bills Brands. You can go to www.mikebillsbrands.com. We're on Instagram, Facebook. Twitter, uh, we're on LinkedIn, uh, we're literally everywhere, YouTube, wherever, wherever you want to find us, it's Mike Fields Brand. And uh, honestly, uh, the type of people that we would love to connect with are people that are really, really serious about changing their circumstances, that have a product or service uh, or, or, you know, maybe a mission in mind, and they really want to bring it to the masses in a creative way that's fun and exciting, but also that is effective. We want to work with you. Whether you're in the startup phases, we have people on staff that can help you with the business plan right up. If it's funding that you need, so on and so forth, we can have uh, any of the people within our organization to help with those. Or if you're a brand that's looking to scale, you've been around for a while and you need to rebrand, you need something fresh, you need something new, maybe your audience is getting a little bit older and you need to reinvent yourself, we want to work with you. We have some amazing, amazing, amazing people working with us in this organization, and we love to introduce you to them all. And we'd love to give you every single thing that we have every single day and leave it out on the line. Awesome, yeah. So if you're in that spot, if you're looking to grow your business, definitely take time to reach out to Mike um, at MikeBuildsBrands.com. Last thing for you, Mike, do you have any final words of wisdom for our audience before we hit the stop record button here? 1% better every day in all areas of your life. Absolutely. You heard him. We get 1% better every day. Thank you so much, Mike. All right. Have a great one.